0: and click on the Building Fund tab. Joshua told the people, Consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. Together, let's prepare for an amazing tomorrow. Thanks and God bless. Happy Mother's Day. I know that many times Mother's Day can be difficult for some who have gone through difficult circumstances. And um, it's hard when everyone is rejoicing and happy and seems like having a great time, but you're not. And it's this pressure of like, I know it's supposed to be a good day, but I have some hard times dealing with the things that have happened. I know a number of you have lost children. Um, Even Amanda uh, lost her grandmother this morning, and so I ask that you would pray for her to happen on Mother's Day. Her grandmother pretty much raised her, and so it can be difficult. And I don't want you to feel that you have to pretend. I I don't want you to think that, well, it's Mother's Day, I just got to put on a smiley face and, you know, pretend everything is okay when you're hurting. It's okay to hurt. It's okay to struggle. I actually want to read to you something that was on Instagram on someone who I follow. It's the Flower Patch Farm Girl, if you guys want to follow her as well. She's a pretty amazing person if you look into this. She says, the first two people to wish me a happy Mother's Day today were grown adults with kids of their own. We crashed together for different reasons and figured we might as well just love each other for life. This day always has me feeling tender for the moms with kids whose hearts are far away. Whether from incarceration, mental illness, substance abuse, or just too much pain. I think of the moms who carry regret or the ones who bear undue blame. I worry for the ones whose day will be too quiet, too alone. But today I'm remembering that we're all surrounded with shades of pain. We all have the option to draw a wider circle and create family where there was none. Find a mom no one find a mom no one notices and tell her you see her and you love her. Buy her flowers or a shirt from Walmart. Take her to lunch. Take her a fountain coke. We are all better together. For all of you moms, we do have some flowers out there that the ladies have made for you. Take one, enjoy it. We wish you a happy Mother's Day and we want to step into your life. We want to be your family. So if you are hurting, we want you to know we love you. We want you to know that you have family here and we will cry with you and we will accept you in the pain and wherever you're at, okay? I want this to be real. I want Mother's Day to be something that we celebrate as it is who we are with our children, where they are, and how things are going in our life. We can celebrate because we are loved by each other, and most importantly, by God. And so this morning, I want to kind of continue with our 40-day challenge of prayer, but I I wanted to do something a little different since it's Mother's Day. And I want to give you some facts about moms, first off. And then we're going to celebrate and be in awe of moms. And then I'm going to try and tie this all together with how it actually relates to prayer. But first, turn with me to John chapter 20. John chapter 20, and we're going to start at verse 1. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. We also see in Mark's gospel, Mary, the mother of James, was there also. Went to the tomb and saw that it had been removed from the entrance, verse 2. So they came running to Simon Peter and the other disciples, the one Jesus loved, and said, they have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they have put him. So Peter and the other disciples started for the tomb. Both were running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. That's John, by the way, okay? He's letting you know he's the one Jesus loved, and he's letting you know he's faster than Peter. He bent over and looked at the strips of linen lying there, but did not go in. Then Simon Peter came along behind him and went straight into the tomb. He saw the strips of linen lying there as well as the cloth that had been wrapped around Jesus' head. The cloth was still lying in its place, separate from the linen. Finally, the other disciple who had reached the tomb first, that's him, by the way, also went inside. He saw and believed. They still did not understand from Scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead then the disciples went back to where they were staying now mary stood outside the tomb crying as she wept she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white seated where jesus body had been one at the head and the other at the foot they asked her woman why are you crying they have taken away my they've taken my lord away she said and i don't know where they have put him At this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realize that it was Jesus. He asked her, Woman, why are you crying? Who is it you are looking for? Thinking that he was a gardener, she said, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have put him, and I will get him. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned towards him and cried out in Aramaic, on the evening of the first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders. We're going to stop there. What we see in this story, I think, is giving us insight into not just the event of the resurrection, but into Mary and to contrast between Mary and actually Mary, the mother of James, and the disciples, the the women and the men. Now, I want to talk to you about some facts about moms and what happens when you become a mom, because I don't become a mom. I'm a mom's boy, but that's about it. There's this part of your brain called the amygdala, these two little almond-shaped things that are seated behind the eyes. We've talked about that a a number of times. And when you get pregnant, the amygdala actually starts to swell. It grows. And what the amygdala, amygdala does is it's the source of your emotion. It gives you empathy. It's connected to those types of emotions, to relationships. And that's why a woman, when she's pregnant, will have what we call mood swings, but we don't tell her that. We just know that that happens. But listen to all you guys who say, yeah, man, she's so moody. Even when the woman's amygdala is swelling from pregnancy, it's still is more stable than a man's all the time. (laughs) Clap. Just saying. What happens is a woman actually puts thoughts to the emotion and words to it The man shuts down most of the time. There are some people who don't. But most of the time what the man does is he will close up and not step into that. And so if you had a couple that have, say, lost a child, the woman wants to talk about it. The man doesn't want to deal with it. And his amygdala is very crazy and unstable. Hers is swelling and is that way, but she steps into it where most men step away. And they actually don't step into that. And men are actually just as emotional as women. Some of you ladies are saying, I knew it. Sometimes even more, again, we just like to hide the ramifications of our thoughts. And women will talk them through and talk them out. Some of the stats, the swelling of the amygdala causes some changes that are actually long-term. They affect the memory modulation in her brain, the destabilization, and when she begins focusing just on certain things. She has an increase in awareness of certain things when she's pregnant. She becomes more worried a little bit more anxious because she's concerned about this baby. And that never goes away. How many of you are grown adults and your mom still worries about you? It doesn't change. You don't revert back and then all of a sudden it's like, yeah, it's not that I've had a baby. It doesn't change. And the mom still worries. There's the amygdala and it never settles down and it never goes back to the way it it has before. And our brains, this chemical activation gives us insight and a little bit more awareness of things. And we're not sure all of how things work. I mean, it's amazing how we are able to perceive different things. We are just finding out that we actually can sense fear by scent, That when someone actually is afraid, they sweat differently than when they just are exercising. Some people, you know, they're afraid because they never exercise, so they must be afraid. (laughs) But there is something that happens and we start to have an intuition and, and the chemical in the brain that starts to get stimulated is able to trigger on things and see things and perceive things in a much deeper way. You see, if I was very fearful or worried up here, you could actually start to get fearful and worried just by seeing me. If I was excited and very, you know, animated, it could actually provoke you in those ways. Or sometimes you just get a sense about something. Someone's talking to you and you're just saying, something's not right here. There's a problem with this person. And, and you might not be able to put your finger on it, but you have a sense. You see, you become a lot more aware. When you're pregnant, mothers become so attached to the child that they're carrying that she will actually ignore her own needs because she's concerned about that child. And that continues after the child is born. And the things that she will go through just for that child. When she bore that child, she became one of the fiercest creatures on the planet. (laughs) That's why we call it Mother Earth. Because it's powerful and it takes care of us. That's the idea behind it. We all know about. Mother bears, With a bear, if you saw Revenant, you really know about that, right? Man, that bear scene was intense. So a mother bear, you stay away from her cubs. Why? Because she will endanger her own life to save those cubs. It's that instinct. It's that in, intuition. It, it's that need to care for and provide that security for that child. And that mother bear is one of the fiercest, most feared animals in nature, because she's willing to do this, that. She'll sacrifice everything to save her cubs. Every culture has a stereotype about moms. H- have you noticed there, there's the Jewish mom? There's the Italian moms? There's the Mexican moms. There's the Irish. It doesn't matter what culture. There is this stereotypical thought about moms, and they're fierce, and they're bigger than life, and usually bigger than their stature too, right? She could be five foot tall, which my mom is. I don't know if she still is. But boy, she comes bigger than life. See, I still think my mom could take me because she has never lost a battle. And I can remember growing up, and even though she was only five foot tall, I could not keep up with her when we were walking. She just has this pace about her. She just moves, 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 moves. And this stereotype is coming from this understanding that a mom is a fierce creature, that there is more to her than to other people because of who she is. And so to celebrate some of the things and to be in awe of mom, I want to give you some some understandings of why it makes a mom fierce. First of all, every second, 4.3 babies are born on this planet. Eight, there's 12. There's 16, I'm going to stop there. There's a mom either for the first time or a second time every 4.3 seconds. How tremendous of an influence is that on the world in general? Think about what we ask of women who are moms we ask them to develop in their body and carry for nine months in their body, this child. Then we ask them to push that child out through a very small opening or else we will cut the child out if we need to through cesarean. Then we hand them the baby and say, here you go. Lord bless you now. I remember when they gave us the twins, the nurses say, don't let them rule the house. And we're like, what? What does that mean? You know, how are they going to rule the house? They're so small. And then, oh, we know what they mean now. You hand them the child and say, here you are. Take care of this child. We ask them to become the feeding station for this new human being. Whenever they're hungry, it's your responsibility. Some of you will have to give your body to be a fast food chain for this child anytime they want to eat. They get to eat. This child needs the mother's attention. Most of the time, a baby needs the mom's attention every 20 seconds. Think about that. Every 20 seconds, unless they're sleeping, you're having to feed them, you're having to rock them. You're having to entertain them. They cry, you have to go get them. You have to change them. Average every 20 seconds, they're having to take care of that child. The mother in the first year of a child's life will lose an average of 700 hours of sleep. In one year, 700 hours of sleep. If you sleep for seven hours a day, That's a hundred days you will not sleep. I don't sleep a lot, but I don't get by on a hundred days. I I couldn't do that. Women who are mothers are the fiercest, most powerful creatures on the planet, and yet society expects so much from them and and puts such a burden on that the mom senses and feels this. It's now your responsibility to raise this child properly. If this child is giving you a hard time or yelling or complaining, we don't think for the fact that you haven't slept in 100 days. What we do is recognize, okay, you've got a child, deal with that child. You've got to get that child under control. Now, this is different if the guy has got the children. If I went into the store with the twins and they were going crazy everyone go oh look at that poor guy oh look at him do you need any help you want me to get something for you oh thanks i think i got it i'm okay my wife goes in and she's got the children i mean there were times because we had four little ones she would go somewhere, and they'd go are those all yours why you want one you see, it's a different outlook. They don't look at the mom with, you know, oh, can we help you? They look at the mom like, get those kids under the control. They look at the dad as, oh, can we help you? Poor dad. It's a different perception. To raise that child properly, it's the mom's responsibility to teach them to read by the time they're 1.8 years old. You got to clean the house You've got to look good when you leave the house. You've got to be attentive to your husband. The mom will feel as if she's not good enough, not able to do things right, and suffers this low self-esteem almost every time. I have never met a mom who feels like she's just doing it right. When I do, something's usually wrong with the mom. But most moms have an overwhelming insecurity about how things are happening and getting done. They feel just even as the skit, like, I'm not doing it right. Other moms do it better. There's the comparison. And then you've got the, you know, media that shows, oh, what's her name? Had twins. And look at, oh, she looks fabulous. It's like, yeah, she's got someone taking care of her kids. And she's got a trainer. And someone feeds her. You've got to do all of that. But there's the comparison. You feel that way. There is no person who will sacrifice more of their life than a mom. They are the fiercest creatures in the world. And yet, they're not celebrated and recognized. The church has been so slow to fully recover the intention of God's design, and even more so the intention of the cross and what it has done and how it concerns men and women. We have in the very beginning the story Eve. The name Eve is the mother of the living. With this idea of a mother and all that it entails, this is one powerful title. This is one powerful person. This is one powerful position. We need to recognize it. Jesus says that I have longed to gather you as a mother hen gathers her chicks. He he gives this image of the female because that is the strongest image he can give to show this concern and this love to want to care for those who he loves. But we've been slow to, to change the perception not just of moms, but of women. It has been God's posture since the beginning to take those that were weak and to use them, whether it's the nation of Israel that was always in captivity, that was always in slavery, or or to take Jesus who came as a servant instead of as royalty, and to take that which is seemingly weak and to prove himself strong, and I believe he does that with women. Paul writes in Galatians 16:7, or excuse me, in Galatians 3:38, that there is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female." You are all one in Christ Jesus. You see, the ground at the foot of the cross is level. It's level for men. It's level for women. But we live in a society where it's not. Because those who are stronger can oppress those who are weaker. And so especially in other countries where it is the survival of the fittest, the strong who survive, women are still abused, taken advantage of, and live many times in fear for those who can overpower them. And here comes Paul saying things are different at a time when it was prayed by the Jews, thank you, God, that I am not an animal and that I am not a woman. Serious, that was a prayer. At a time where that was a prayer, Paul comes in, he says, there is neither slave nor free Jew, Gentile, male or female. This is a new humanity in Christ and the ground at the cross is level. And so a lot of people wonder about this. You know, there's a lot of questions especially in the church, you know, well a woman is supposed to be in submission to a man and a man is to be the head of the the wife. And and I'm not going to go into detail about that, but I I want to address some things that I think are important to at least think about. You know, a lot of times they'll use 1 Corinthians chapter 14 where it says a woman should remain silent in the churches. They are not allowed to speak. They must be in submission as the law says. He also tells them that they should have their heads covered. But I don't see any of you ladies with hats today. And so it says, well, women's woman's supposed to be silent in church. But then if you look in chapter 11, verse 5, it says, but every woman who prays or prophesies with her head uncovered dishonors her head. It is the same as having her head shaved. So she's prophesying and praying in church. So it doesn't mean she's silent in church. It means something else is going on. And again, I'm not going to go too much into that. But there is a very important cultural aspect that is taking place in Corinth that Paul is addressing. He's not saying that women can't talk in church because he just said that they pray and prophesy. So what, what is it? It has to do with the culture and the things that are there. Not only that, We see in Romans chapter 16, verse 7, it says, Greet Andronicus and Hunia. Some translations will say Julia. It's a woman. My fellow Jew who have been in prison with me, they are outstanding among the apostles. And they were in Christ before I was. Here is a woman who is an apostle. It also says that the same chapter, verse 1, I commend our sister Phoebe, a deacon of the church. Phoebe's a deacon. What's a deacon? A deacon is a leader. And so here are women taking this role of leadership. But in so many churches, a woman is not to lead. She's not to show authority over a man it's considered unbiblical, but in the Bible, they're an apostle, they're a deacon, they're prophesying, they're praying, they're evangelists. So what is it? And someday I'm going to, I've done it on Wednesday night, but I'll do it on a Sunday morning, talk about this a little bit more in depth. My point here isn't to, to focus on this. My point is to, to help us understand that something powerful has happened in the passage that we read. In John chapter 20, the most important event in the gospel, the resurrection. Paul said, if Christ be not raised, we are foolish. We are to be pitied. And God entrusts the revelation of his resurrection to the women. That is really a big deal it's so much a big deal we see later on within 50 years the narrative kind of excludes them we see the writings even in the new testament where they say oh jesus rose again from the dead and he names the apostles but it doesn't include the women the reason is probably because they didn't believe the testimony of women at that time but jesus says nope it's not that way these are the ones i can trust And he reveals himself to the women. He revealed himself as the Christ to a Samaritan woman. There is nowhere in the New Testament where women deal with Christ in a dishonorable way. They are all people that are elevated. Some people have called Luke the gospel for the women because of how it elevates women, especially at that time in that culture. And you see, there is something that happens In the physiology and in the mind and in the creation of a woman, that God is trusting and is empowering. And even though she is weaker physically most of the time, some of these ladies, man, I don't know. You see the MAMA fighters, I would not step in the ring with them. (laughs) Like, yeah, I'll wear a skirt. Go ahead. Um, But most of the time, they are the weaker, but God has entrusted them with something very, very powerful. And I think we start to see this happen. In the resurrection, there is a radical reevaluation of women because God entrusts the heartbeat of the gospel to them first. The disciples were there earlier, but they left. The women stayed. And I know from my experience with my wife and the things that we've gone through, I can't count how many times we've been in the ER or have had to deal with certain issues. But there's been times where we are there and it's two, three in the morning and I tap out and I say, okay, I'm gonna go. And she goes, okay, yeah, go ahead. I'll be there. She will be there. She could not leave. I cannot drag her away because that's who she is. That's how much she cares. That's how much she loves. That's what God sees and entrusts. And it's powerful. It really is powerful. here's the thing that I want to get as a takeaway from this, that I want to lead into the prayer and I want everyone to be included. I don't want to isolate you if you've not had children or if you're a guy. Because what they have found is that even if you don't bear a child, if you take responsibility for a child... The same thing happens to your amygdala. It starts to swell when you give of yourself, and it happens with men, and it happens with women. So if you adopt a child, you don't think of that child as, well, it's not really my kid. All of a sudden, mama bear comes out. You go to the park, and someone's bullying your kid. You don't say, well, they're adopted. It's okay. Push them around. You take ownership and it becomes your responsibility. And all of a sudden, there is something that changes in you as you start giving of yourself. We see it happen with teachers and their students. How do you explain what happens at Columbine or at Sandy Hook when the teachers step into harm's way for these children? Why? Because they start to take on this role. I'm responsible. I care. And it makes them into better people. you see, why are there so many moms in prayer and so few dads in prayer? Is it because dads don't care, dads don't pray? No, but there's something that we can learn from the moms and how they care. There's something that needs to develop within us. You see, prayer is attached to caring. Prayer is attached to the relationship. The reason there are so many moms in prayer is because the moms have that overwhelming sense of responsibility, concern, and love for their children. They have what we always tease them about is, oh, you worry too much. You care too much. Maybe they care enough. Doesn't mean we can't give insight and sometimes it's good to have the voice outside of emotion, but sometimes I think that emotion is really what we lack. And so if we are going to be the people who pray, you pray about things that you care about. And the reason we see Hannah praying for a child and getting Samuel and she promises God, if I get a, a male child, I will give him to you all the days of his life. And she does. She does. Because it's important to her. I love this. They call it the Song of Mary. I don't know if she sang it, but it's very poetic. In Luke chapter 1, verses 46 through 55, Mary said, I am bursting with good news. I am dancing the song of my Savior God. God took one good look at me, and look what happened. I am the most fortunate woman on earth. What God has done for me will never be forgotten. The God whose very name is holy, set apart from all others, his mercy flows in wave after wave on those who are in awe before him. He bared his arm and and showed his strength, scattered the bluffing braggarts. He knocked tyrants off their high horses, pulled victims out of the mud. The starving poor sat down to a banquet. The callous rich were left out in the cold. He embraces his chosen child, Israel. See, God entrusted a woman who would become a mom to be the one to bear Christ, who would be dependent on her for everything because he knew he could. Because that is the heart of a mom. We want to honor moms on this day, but we want to learn from you. We want to learn how to care. We want to learn how to pray. And we want to open doors for you so that your place in the world can be seen. So that the strength of who you are as women and as moms can be become the strength we need and glean from. I don't want Genesis to be a place where women are second-class citizens or women don't have the same ground to work from than men do. Women can be deacons. Women can be apostles. Women can be evangelists. These are all scriptural. And we need to open the doors so that the power and the fierce tenation that moms have, that some of you women have, can lead us by example. And it can also be the source that we start caring and start engaging with God in prayer. Every morning we are praying at 167 North 2nd Avenue at 710, from 710 to 730. You're all invited to join us. We are praying circles around that building because we want to reach our community. I I want this community to be our cub and I want to be that mama bear. I want to win this city. Christ. I want to see all of downtown Upland changed by doing things. Wouldn't it be great if that whole area where it's all these vacancies that are there that could start be filling up with things that could help kids who have special needs, or it could help those with learning disability, or we can do an art studio or a dance studio. And wouldn't it be neat if all these people who came to Genesis started getting places and started developing things and we filled the whole town of downtown Upland and they say, wow, what happened over here? We said, well, we just cared enough to step into the city and to make a difference. And we care about you and we love you and we are here for you for whatever the needs are. We want to be there for you. We will not condemn you. We will not shame you. We will go after you because we are fierce because we love like a mom. Happy Mother's Day to all you moms. You are fierce. Don't stop being fierce. Don't question all that you do. It is more than most of us could even understand. I remember working construction, and I remember going on call and working for 20 hours, and I had it easy compared to Kareem who was at home with four little ones. I would have taken work out in the construction. I'd have been in the attic in the summertime, crawling rather than be left with those four ones all day. <laughs> you are an example to us. And I want you to know you're cherished here. What you do is powerful. Let's pray. Lord, a mom's job is never over. And the work for us is not over either, Lord. There's so much that we have to learn, and I pray, God, that you would bless all the moms here, Father. And you'd bless them right where they are with the hurts, with the struggles, with the insecurities. Father, that's where you are. That's where we want to be. God, I pray we would be genuine, that we would love as you loved and we would deal with the hurts that actually are there and not pretend everything is okay because no one hurts more than a mom. No one grieves more than a mom. No one loves more than a mom. Except for you who created them. And so, Lord, we honor you by honoring them. And we want to open the doors, Father, so that you can be honored through them in our midst. We do pray that you would bless them for your name's sake. Could I have all the moms stand here? Lord, I lift these fierce women to you. Lord, they are stronger than we can imagine. Lord, they are blessed beyond our ability to fully comprehend. And I pray, Lord, that you would give them continued strength. Lord, that you would give them a sense that they are valuable. Lord, there are no perfect moms It's a job that's impossible. But it's a job you've called them to and you've given them the means to do it. And Lord, I know among these that are standing, there are hurts. There are those who have lost their children, Lord, but they still are moms. There are those whose children's are addicted and struggling and far from them, but they're still the mom. Father, there are children who are struggling with mental illness, but they still love them. They're still the mom. And it's not an easy job. But they are their moms and they are doing it. Bless them. Encourage them. May they know how valuable they are to you and to us. And I do pray your blessing in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's all stand together. May you all care as much as a mother. May you all be as fierce as a mama bear and may you take the heart of God to the people around you and embrace everyone who hurts as if they were your own child and show the love of Jesus to them. God bless you. Happy Mother's Day. I hope you mom are celebrated and enjoyed. You have been listening to the Genesis Podcast.